Hello, everyone, and welcome once again to Starship Podcast Warlock. I am Drew. I'm Jeff. And we are watching Blackadder. Uh, and we have just reached the midway point uh, of Blackadder as it exists in season form. There are, of course, a few specials which would throw that off if you're counting numerically. But we are right between seasons two and three. Um, and it's a very exciting time because, as uh, you recall, if you listen to some of season two... My memory was fuzzy on part of it. Um, my memory's very fuzzy on season three, so I'm I'm looking That's forward exciting. to this. Yes. So, so you don't even remember who the guest stars are, do you? Um, I I think I do a little bit. Like, there's fragments I remember. I remember there is one uh, episode where uh, the name of a play is very important. This is true. We kind of I kind of brought that up earlier, but yeah. yeah um... And then there's another one where there's a manuscript involved. I think it's uh, I want to say it's Johnson's Dictionary. Is that right? I I, I do. You want me to tell you bits? Or no, you I, don't have uh, to. I'll just say that that's what I think okay. it is. Okay, interesting. Um, and is there anything else I remember? That might be it. I want to say there's also like some kind of highwayman, like a Scarlet Pimpernel type thing. I think those are the three things I remember. Okay, I, I uh, it's interesting. I, I'm, I, I shall say nothing. Um, <laughs> I, 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 I shall say that you remember, you do remember things. I do remember things. Yes. Um, uh, you, do you drink and remember things? <laughs> that rarely, on both mm. counts. Um, so, uh, as you know, if you've been listening to this for a while, we, um, we often. Uh, talk about things that are sort of related to the episodes. Uh, today we are going to talk about Hugh Lawyer. Oh, Hugh, yeah, Hugh Laurie, uh, who in this that season, was Hugh Laurius. <laughs> in this Thank season you, is of course uh, <laughs> um, a, a star of it, as opposed to just kind of a guest coming in to go away. Um, so very much looking forward to that. So we'll talk about his uh, his career in a minute um, and. True to form, I've done absolutely no research, so I'll be learning all of this along with everyone else. Um, but uh, before we do that, I thought it might be interesting for us to touch on a couple of things uh, that are not related to Blackadder that we have consumed lately that we think are interesting. Um, oh, like the hot toddy that I'm drinking right now. <laughs> yes. Uh, have you been reading that hot toddy? Um, yes. <laughs> yes, like you read the tea leaves, I, I read the leaves of various alcoholic beverages that i drink oh i'm finding out so much about you through this podcast jeff yeah how well i can bullshit yeah i get it <laughs> um so i have a tv episode that i'm gonna name a movie and a book uh the tv episode is the classic episode of the twilight zone to serve man uh, I, I have been watching the twilight zone pretty slowly uh i'm pretty sure i finished the first season but there's like what four more to go, so I, I still Why have aren't a way. Doing a podcast on that? God, I don't know. Maybe we should be. No, I'll tell you what we should do a podcast on. Uh, but um, classic Star Trek. We could. I mean, I, I can pretty much quote most of that verbatim. But I, I was going to suggest uh, if you wanted to suffer through it, uh, even because uh, I think you hadn't got through it. But um, I adore the show. I was going to suggest um, uh, Avatar. Uh, or uh, or if slings and arrows, but uh, then we, we've gone off the British um, <laughs> the British end at this point, I suppose. We but, have a bit. You know, slings and arrows, at least Canadian, but um, yeah, uh, we'll we'll talk about it. Um, we'll talk. We'll talk. Uh, Twilight Zone would be fun, um, but at any rate, uh, I, I had never seen this particular episode to serve man. Uh, really, that's the one where oh, yeah, wow. where Richard. Ke well, most of them I have not seen. I know I about used to some watch of them. It, I used to watch it, um, well, especially New Year's, like New Year's Eve, they would show marathons uh, when I was a kid. And I, I'd seen, not just through there, but that's probably where I saw most of them. Mm -hmm. um, at least for the classic series. You know, I'd, I've seen um, a good number of the 1985 um, version and bits and pieces of the, the successive ones that have come since then. I Sadly, I haven't seen the Jordan Peele one um, I don't know if that's any good or not. Although if he's producing it or involved with it, I'm sure that immediately gives it a step up. Well, I sat down and I was about to watch it at one point, And then something about like the first couple minutes, I was just like, you know, what? I'm not in the mood for this right now. 
mm. um, and just never came back to it. Um, we were talking about this actually at work, which is that uh, Twilight Zone has embedded itself so much probably into the conscience consciousnesses of people who make TV today and, you know, even, you know, movie thrillers, like all sorts of things I think have probably sprung from the storytelling style, um, and, uh, you know, kind of format of the twilight zone and kind of the mood of the twilight zone that Mm -hmm. like, it's probably pretty tough now to pull off a twilight zone that feels today the way the twilight zone felt then. That's, that's an interesting so, thought. I mean, you know, if you want to say, well, hell, the Sixth Sense is 20-something years old at this point. But, like, mm-hmm. I mean, that that's kind of a sort of uh, long-form version of it in a way. In fact, I, I almost suspect that um, uh, M. Night Shyamalan probably, uh, a lot of his earlier work kind of plays very Twilight Zone-ish, although with quite a different feel to it. Yeah, I, you because, can because Twilight Zone was always there, there's always a bit of a moral uh, aspect to mm-hmm. it. It always feels like there, there's there's something there's definitely a point of view that um, that Serling is um, is putting forth. Plus the fact that he's one of the masters of uh, of just narration, I think in general. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's it's tough. I mean, as a product of its time, or well, it's not so much a product of its time. I think, like you said, the fact that it's become such uh, such, um, embedded in terms of people have learned and built so much on top of that. Yeah. I mean, I think you're right to name M night. I knew I would not be able to say it. I think you're right to aim to name M night. Uh, we should just start over. Just kidding. Uh, I think you're right to name him as (laughs) like six cents and signs and, uh, what is it? Unbreakable. Unbreakable. Uh, I think those are the only ones I've seen of his. Actually, I don't think I watched anything after that. But those, just, those just three, stop. you know, yeah. I, I was mentioning Last Airbender recently, and and uh, just don't see the movie. <laughs> That's what I've movie. heard. It, oh, it burns. Yeah, I mean, so like, yeah, those three films to me are like extended uh, Twilight Zone episodes. Like you said, they you can see how they would have uh, played as those kind of short episodes. So yeah, um, it, it, it's pretty interesting, and I do want to watch the Jordan Peele one at some point to see how he pull it off. I sort of feel like the 21st century Twilight Zone is Black Mirror. Yes, absolutely, I agree. Because I totally it's, agree. I mean, you know, it's episodic, it's, you know, these kind of like almost reality situations, and it's got a bite to it that I think is necessary to produce the same effect in 21st century TV. Um, it's true. Yeah. You know, I can't picture Rod Serling doing anything with, you know, blackmailing a prime minister to do unspeakable acts. Yes. And, uh, but, yes. but, um, uh, that said, no, I think it's, I mean, it's been, I, I think pretty much compared all over the place as a, as a worthy success for there's, there's other stuff. Um, I was watching tales from the loop. If you've seen that, which is kind of, uh, a stranger thing. It it feels like Twilight Zone, but if you had a Stranger Things like thing linking it together mm-hmm. in its own way, um, uh, I'm I'm that, that was kind of a nice little um, series that flew under the radar. But um, to check that out, but yeah, um, definitely worth uh, worth seeing. And all inspired, as I understand, it's by a bunch of paintings. Like each painting inspired a particular episode, but it all links together. Huh. Um, and uh, uh, there's there's a couple of of recognizable faces that pop in and out jonathan price being one of them um interesting it's an interesting series only eight episodes uh netflix if i remember correctly well i I feel like that might be digestible um watched it beginning of lockdown the the movie that i wanted to name i just watched last night um Mm. i've been meaning to watch it for a long time but a, a conversation with a coworker reminded me of it and i'm like you know what i feel like checking that out tonight and it's fantastic planet have you seen this no i have not um, it's, it's pretty great. Like I've seen sort of stills from it, uh, and I really like the style of it. And I thought that movie has got to be fascinating. So it's from the seventies. Uh, it's based on a French novel. Uh, and I think the production, I know that part of the production team was Czech. And I think the, uh, you know, there was a French composer, probably French director. I can't remember. So kind of a joint production between people from those, those, regions and uh the story of it is it's like the far future 
and these giant aliens who are uh, probably like we come up to their ankles, maybe um, these giant kind of C- blue <laughs> weird aliens on CGI. Yeah, uh, have kidnapped humans from someplace in the universe, uh, presumably Earth, and keep them as pets, basically. And so they're like the tame ones are pets and then the wild ones are vermin. And so they have these extermination campaigns that they do as though getting rid of rodents. And, you know, clearly it's a, a parable, um, but it's so trippy. Uh, the visuals are so interesting. They look a little Gilliam-esque uh, and a little something else, but it's uh, it's a beautiful looking movie, a beautiful sounding movie. Um, maybe a little short, maybe a little abrupt at the ending, but, uh, it's, it's really cool and, and not like, not really like anything else I've seen. So you, you have my interest. I, yeah. I, I will have to check that out. Worth a look. I know it is free on at least one streaming service. Cause that's how I saw it. I want to say, no, I don't remember. Oh no, no, no. It's HBO max is where I saw it. I think. Okay. Okay. I've got that. We are not getting any sponsorship from HBO max or anybody no, else for that matter. We're not. I mean, if they want to throw a little cha-ching our way, I, uh, <laughs> we, we can talk. But at the moment, we're not. No, we cannot be bought. Um, and the book... I, could, I could be rented. <laughs> okay, fair enough. I'm a, I'm a rent, but no, no, I'm not going there. Uh, so the book I was going to mention uh, is a little thing called Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, which I decided recently I wanted to reread because it's been very, very long time. And uh, I just remember reading it I think for the first time at school which sounds weird but like I got it from the library and I would when I was a kid I would take books with me to school that I was reading for pleasure and then like when I would finish a test early or something I'd get out the book and then read it while everybody else was finishing and uh Hitchhikers was one of those and uh when I read the line owed to us small lump of green putty I found in my armpit one midsummer morning I could not stop laughing and everybody just turned around and looked at me but I couldn't I couldn't stop it was the funniest thing I'd ever read when I was in middle school or whatever it was um I re- yeah interesting I, I remember my my first experience with hitchhikers was in summer camp um sleepaway camp and I, I was like um let's see that that would have been like between sixth and seventh grade or something like that so around the same time and somebody had the book. I mean, I didn't hear the radio series until, uh, oddly enough, a summer program after high school, um, or, or yeah, after freshman year of high school. But um, so I had encountered it through the book first, um, and friends had it, and so they had been quoting from it before I actually ever got to read it. And so I, I used to quote bits and pieces from it without knowing the context for it. Um, oh wow! So I, I could do I could do a bunch of the the. Um, Mainly bits from the guide um, uh, before I, I finally got to uh, grab it off somebody and, and read it while I was sick in the infirmary for a little while, oddly enough of all things. Oh, that's so, a pretty uh, good book to have when you're sick, I think. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, that plus of odd things, uh, the the infirmary had a bunch of uh, comic books and mad magazines to read, and I remember reading uh, the mad magazine parody of Fiddler on the Roof called Nintendo on the Roof, um, and uh, and the Marvel Comics adaptation, even though that this was a few years old at this point, of Dune. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Uh, weird. Yeah. That that's how I, I read that before I actually read the uh, uh, read the actual Frank Herbert novel. It wasn't until that fall that I actually was like, okay, I'm picking up the book now. I think I saw but the. I, digre- I think I saw I the movie first, and then I saw the or read the book. I might have read the kind of like storybook, you know, the kids version of the book with photos from the movie. I might have read that first, but mm. definitely did not read the novel until after the movie. And people say you can't understand the movie without reading the book. I, I felt like I understood it pretty well. Um, but then again, I did see the three hour Alan Smithy cut when they showed it on television. So the extra material may have helped. Right. All the narration and stuff like that on mm-hmm. top of all that. Yeah. Um well, I was just going to say real quick, too, that uh, I, I really am feeling nostalgic for that kind of like 80s brand of science fiction that was kind of Gernsbachian and a little funny. And like, I, I don't know, there was just something about that particular time in science fiction that I find charming. I was going to say the virtue of <laughs> we talked about um, for first season of Black Adder, Frank Finley and um, and the fact that I remembered him mainly as uh, a um, scenery chewing character in um 
in Life Force. Oh yes, mm-hmm. uh, which which also brings up just the Dune Life Force connection, which is uh, the uh, both containing uh, um, a pre Jean Luc Picard Patrick Stewart uh, <laughs> chewing scenery. Um, well, I I should stress that neither of those films fall into my eighties uh, optimistic, colorful sci fi thing that I was talking about. But yeah, that, that's true. That wouldn't fit under. So it's kind of a op- counterexample. Optimism, but. Um, Okay, I'm not going to get into Matilda May in my childhood. Never mind. Um, <laughs> um, is there anything else you wanted to mention before we go into the show? Well, I, I guess... Um, oh, Hugh Laurie. Oh, my God. We almost forgot. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, we, we have we have five more episodes to talk about him, but uh, plus season four. But, yeah, why not? Okay, let's, let's just do this. Hugh Laurie. Uh, so, yeah, I... Like Stephen Fry, I think I probably first saw him on The Young Ones and then in Jeeves and Worcester when he played uh, Bertie Wooster. And uh, I, I've seen him for, mostly... For which, for which I have to think in some ways is potentially a, uh, a bit of an audition for him for this character. and Kind of, yeah. Um, and uh, I think there's very little that I've seen him in without Stephen Fry somewhere in the background. Um, like, I've never watched House... Really, it's, it's just oh. I don't know medical okay. dramas. They're just not my thing. Hmm. But it was a brilliant, brilliantly written show. I, I have to say, I believe that, it. Um, yeah, brilliantly written show. At least the first, the first three or four seasons are worth it. After that, it's diminishing returns. But uh, plus, it has a couple of very cute Blackadder. Um, uh, there are a couple of bits where they made a little nod to it. At one point, um, he's uh, you see him turn on the TiVo or whatever, and apparently he'd been TiVoing Blackadder. <laughs> so nice. that was a cute little bit. Uh, he was in Veep, apparently, which I didn't know. Um, and of course, as we've mentioned, came out of the same sort of Cambridge Footlights sort of uh, uh, cauldron as Stephen Fry and a few of these others. And I bet his filmography is huge. Let's see. What's interesting here? In case you're uh, new to this podcast somehow, um, we uh, we do a lot of research here. Uh, which mainly involves calling up the Wikipedia page and and sort of scanning through it. Uh, that's that's just how we do things here at Starship Podcast Warlock. And he's also uh, he's also a pretty good musician. Oh really? Um, yeah. Oh yeah. Um, oh, you know what? I know that because he he yeah, plays I, a lot of songs have... in uh, a bit of Fry and Laurie. Yeah. Um, well, I, I have um, I have a couple of blues songs that he's uh, he's performed. Um, I wonder on the whole how many how many British comedians I can think of that actually perform. Like I know Aid Edmondson had a band, uh, has a mm-hmm. band, I suppose. Um, so I'm kind of curious. Interesting. Well, let's see. Uh, going through some stuff here. Uh, let's see. Blackadder and Young Ones, we of course know. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jeeves and Worcester, we've already mentioned. What else? Oh, you know what? I did not realize he was in a Kate Bush video. Interesting. I'd have to go watch that again now. Experiment Four, which is uh, kind of a one-off song for the whole story compilation, I think, uh, or maybe it was a single mm. and then ended up on the compilation. At any rate, I, I feel like I should, mention th- I should mention this because of the fact that um, I, I imagine you get to this eventually. But um, I know you're a bigger fan of of this than I am. But apparently, he had a part in Spice World. I was just going to say Spice World. Have you seen? Oh, this? Well, I'm I'm sorry. I stole your thunder. I, no, no. I, yeah. Um, so uh, have you have you seen I, it? I would not have remembered. I remember so little of it. Oh, but you have seen it. I I asked myself whether I've actually seen the whole thing, and I don't oh. remember. Um, <laughs> ask me a different week, and I'll tell you something different. Um, I mean, there it's just chock full of cameos for the two of us to enjoy. Like uh Jennifer Saunders is in it and mm-hmm. uh, Richard E. Grant is in it and Alan Cumming is in it and just everybody. Hugh Laurie too, apparently. I can't remember what he mm. does in it, but I, I'm sure he was in it. Everybody else was. Hmm. What That's else what do we mind. have? Uh House, of course. Uh yeah. I, I yes. think it's interesting in terms of uh between House and and I, I know you didn't quite care for his accent in the uh, mm-hmm. in the previous episode of Blackadder, but it's interesting seeing uh, just his his range of uh, accents overall. Well, I'm sure you're right in that he was doing kind of like a uh, a terrible sort of average of European accents. Like I'm sure that was deliberate. 
Yeah. So what else is here? Uh, oh, he was going to be in Superman Returns, but had to bow out because of House. He was going to play Perry White, apparently. What I can see that. Uh, oh, he was in Monsters vs. Aliens, which I never saw. You know, it's it's interesting considering the fact that, as with House, and I think this is probably the first real evidence of it, but uh, but the fact that he obviously can do um, dramatic roles uh, uh, very, very well. Um, uh, I'm curious to see if he will go, if, you know, he would go like the Tim McInerney route, you know, considering, um, you know, Tim went from Percy to, you know, Percy disappears this season. And when he comes back, um, with one exception, he's playing a very different character. And at that mm -hmm. point he's kind of shifted over to serious roles, as I mentioned, like, um, like, uh, in Game of Thrones or whatever. So I'm, I'm curious for Hugh Laurie if, if he's looking to stick to more dramatic things, especially as it's, as he's finding more fame in America. I'm, I'm not sure. Interesting. I wonder if he has to work again. <laughs> I mean, true. I'm sure he it's will, true. but it seems like he's probably been fairly successful. Mm -hmm. uh, oh, Stuart Little. He was in Stuart Little. I don't know why that matters to me in any way. I feel like I've seen it, but I can't remember. Yeah. This is great podcasting, everyone. Mm -hmm. <laughs> my memory is really horrible uh anything else interesting here to highlight i'm just going through he played mycroft holmes in something called holmes and watson what's that is that i, I wonder if oh that's that, that will ferrell john c Riley thing uh 2018 okay so that was post house because one of the things they cite with house was that house was kind of like what happens if you took charlotte holmes and made him into a doctor right um, let's see uh, I think that's mainly the interesting highlights there I, for some reason I thought there would be more I mean there's a lot of stuff there but very little that I kind of can call out and say anything about well and also like stuff we talked about like I mean he was house for what eight nine years or something like that you know how many seasons of Jeeves and Wooster did they or uh, Fry and Laurie did they do I mean so uh, even, even some of the things that we that just take up one or two lines potentially or things mm -hmm. that that were you know went on for quite a while and wow. had, had eight years he was house it looks like yeah that, that was about right. to 2012 yep wow well uh that's hugh laurie everyone we love him uh he's great and we're about to see quite a lot of him in blackadder the third uh so yeah um, Jeff, was there anything else we want to say about Hugh Laurie, things you're watching or reading or listening to, or anything else under the sun? I can't think of anything, which means it'll pop into my head midway through the episode and you'll hear Perfect. me scream, oh, oh. All right, we're just going to take it. a short interlude here and then we'll be back uh, to watch the uh, first episode of Blackadder Season 3. All right, everyone, it's time now to watch the episode uh, Dish and Dishonesty, Dish and Dishonesty, hmm, of Blackadder III, the very first one. Uh, so, as you know, if you are a veteran of this podcast, we will start uh, the episode and then pause it on our various uh, players. Uh, maybe you're watching it digitally, maybe you have the... DVDs, um, maybe you have the VHS. Uh, and wow, that would be Bless impressive. you if you do. Uh, <laughs> so whatever it is you've got, uh, cue it up. And uh, I would say, uh, well, let's just cue it up to zero and, how it, and see how it goes. Now, the one that I have goes right into the intro. So if you have something that has something before the intro, get past it get to a, a blank screen and we'll be ready to go. Are you ready, Jeff? I am. All right. Well, let's get ready to watch. I'll say three, two, one, play. When I say play, we'll all hit play at the same time and enjoy dish and dishonesty. Three, two, one, play.
This reminds me, I have an updated theme, which I have to remember to put onto this. Ah, yes. It's very masterpiece theater-ish, I suppose, but... A little bit. Yeah, I, I like the um, I like this conceit here. Mm-hmm. The Black and White Rebellion. Plus, of course, that this is all Jane Austen parody <laughs> um, titles. Well, at last we finally meet Mrs. Miggins. Right? Wow, how very 2021. <laughs> I like his outfit. Gross. What's brown and sounds like a bell. <laughs> Dung. Those do sound nice. <laughs> That's cute. Doesn't that happen to everyone? <laughs> No, that's what the internet was invented for.
<laughs> the expression. Though <laughs> there's a good Gilbert and Sullivan joke from Iolanthian here. <laughs> I like Rowan Atkinson with a beard better, but I like um, Tony Robinson with long hair. Yeah.
<laughs> Proof that some things never change. Yep. <laughs> Yay, turned up callback. <laughs> I believe this is a real British um, reporter. I would guess so, yeah. the dog it's interesting <laughs> they make the fat jokes which fits with um, the real George but not with Hugh Laurie yeah Oh my god. Mystery Blackadder. Ha, 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 ha. 
This does make me think back to some of the Python political um, mm-hmm. political shtick. this this feels very pythonic right here yep you could probably name the episode yes This is largely as I predicted, except that the silly party won. Yep. Ken Phillips bong? Slightly silly. Oh. Gross. See, I think this would have worked better without that little scenelet. <laughs> yeah. Ha, ha, ha. 
don't know. That to me reads like I couldn't figure out how to end the scene. <laughs> Ah, <laughs> uh, probably one of the best cunning plan lines. Did the prince think he meant Baldrick? I'll wait and see. I'm not sure how to answer such an obvious. <laughs> Having done Iolanthe, I can tell you those robes are very, very hot. Although I was the Lord Chancellor on that, so I didn't have to wear uh. the robes, thankfully. But pretty much all the other guys did. <laughs> Bury me in a Y-shaped coffin <laughs> Mrs. Slocum
Very Don Giovanni. <laughs> I love the nice subtle hints of the fact that um, Blackadder's been selling the socks the entire time. Oh, yes. I mean, we knew that from the beginning, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mrs. Helen Atkinson would. <laughs> would she? <gasps> Jeffrey McGivern. Mrs. Pinkins. I didn't realize that was him. Yep. That's right. I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah, sadly, Mark Wing Davy is not in any episode of Blackadder. Hmm. Well... We are uh, back from viewing Black Adder the Third, Dish, and Dishonesty. Jeff, what'd you think? Well, um, I, I remembered this episode uh, pretty well. It's funny; I mainly remembered the election part of it, and uh, and as he started talking about House of Lords, I'm like, "All oh, right, I remember where this goes from here." Um, uh, it's uh, you know um, not one of my favorites, but I think it's a it's a uh, decently amusing opening. I, I think, um, as I said, the election part of it is probably the best part of it. Absolutely, um, and it's a good introduction to uh, to our new characters, particularly um, the the Prince Regent and his um, his rather careless ways. I suppose um, <laughs> um, it, it's it's not my favorite episode of the series. I, I shall I shall point that out when we uh, get to it. But it's a it's a solidly enjoyable episode. Yeah, I actually enjoyed it quite a bit. Um, yeah, after remembering not enjoying this season as much, uh, I found it very, very funny. Yeah, um, I think they never find a good thing to do with Mrs. Miggins, and it was nice after her being mentioned behind the scenes for so long, we actually get to see her, but um, I, I, I don't usually find her that interesting, unfortunately. Um, I mean, with so. such a small cast, like without her, you you don't have a single female lead <laughs> it's it's true well you know there's there's no nursey yep. there's no melchit there's, there's no, no queenie Percy. there's a king uh, i mean a princey but not a queenie right so we we're definitely down characters here um mm -hmm. it's it's true um and it in some cases means the guest star does a little bit more of the heavy lifting uh, not to say that we haven't had guest stars doing a lot of lifting in um in uh, in previous seasons but it, it is true that that feels fairly thin i wonder how soon before the series did Tim McInerney uh, drop out? Maybe they would have found somebody else. Um, uh, although it's also hard for me to imagine another character in the season, the way it plays. Um, yeah, I mean, was he ever sort of on the roster for this? I, I don't know. I, I don't know at what point he stepped away. Um, we should see uh, if there's a podcast about Blackadder, and maybe we can listen to that and find out. Oh, yeah, that sounds like a great idea. Yeah. Um, I, um, You know, it's interesting, again, comparing... Uh, this Blackadder, uh, the character, with the previous one. That I mean, mm -hmm. he's, you know, I, I've said that this is kind of a, a Jeeves and Worcester of its own, um, of its own way. Uh, with obviously, um, 
obviously Hugh Laurie again playing the foppish character and um, and the the servant being the one with the actual brains. Um, but it's also interesting that you know he's. I mean, he's deferential as he's also deferential to the queen, but he's not afraid about getting his head cut off in this one, and nor is there any romantic uh, overtone. So it's, you know, he plays it very different um, Mm -hmm. in that regard. And he's still sarcastic and all that, but he's not, um, you know, he's not as as swaggering. It's more, um, it it feels more as equals, well, not equals, but... um, it, well, it feels more civilized, obviously, than uh, than the previous season, um, and it it does blunt the character a little bit, but it means that he's a little more um, he's a little more crafty and and subtle, and and mm-hmm. um, uh, you know he fits more into the um, uh, I was going to joke Littlefinger model of things, not not quite, but um, but uh, it's interesting to see it as a as a shift in the character and. Um, and how he works, uh, how he works with uh, the prince as opposed to the queen. Mm-hmm. His relationship with Baldrick is pretty much the same, though. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it is interesting to watch him in this uh, and and think about the differences. I mean, he's uh, to me, he's a little bit sharper. Like, <laughs> like every time he has to say, "What?" <laughs> Just uh, the delivery there is perfect, and and like. Uh, his social status is the lowest it's been so far. Like uh, in the first Blackadder, he didn't have a lot of dignity, but he was, you know, the son of the king. In mm-hmm. the the second one, he's a high ranking court court is it member courtier courtier, courtier yeah. Um, and in the, yep. th- this one, he uh, he is in the Prince Regent's house, but he is a servant. He's the butler, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so definitely his his attitude is very different uh, and a little bit more seething and uh, you know close to the chest. Whereas before, you know, he he kind of had to defer to Queenie a bit and not uh, uh, betray his uh, his plans or anything like that. But it was a little bit less kind of like. Uh, I don't know, just a little bit less covert. I well, guess. in in two, I mean, he's more swaggering, he's more smiling, mm-hmm. and and you know, to get in her favor. In this one, he's simply deferential as a as a uh, as a butler is to uh, to um, his his master, and though certainly, obviously, steering things. Yeah, it's it's interesting too because. I have to reserve judgment till I see the rest of them, but I feel like in some respects he's, he's almost more villainous here than he is in the last two. Interesting. I'm I'm still thinking aloud on this, but let me, let me try to explain what I mean. So in the first one, uh, as we noted when we were watching it, he's kind of fighting to survive in a way. Like he kind of has to do this stuff. He's running to stay in the same place basically and not get murdered. Right. Or you know, passed over for you know, uh, mm-hmm. you know, positions that he needs kind of to survive. Um, you know, fighting for some semblance of dignity and stuff. And so he's he's kind of villainous, but mostly in a way that he sort of has to be given the times and the situation. And then in the the second one, like, I mean, he does some crafty, plotty stuff, but. It's all uh, it's all about gaining or losing face. I think more than anything else. It's true, you know, and there's... he's still he's still under threat of a very mercurial uh, ruler. Yes, it's true. And then in this one, he is not only like, you know, actively plotting to steal money from, as he says, both sides, the poor and the rich, um, but he's also having people murdered, <laughs> like or uh, presumably murdering them himself. Uh, like he killed two people in that uh, that rotten borough in order to become the only voter in it, uh, just sort of casually. Um, I, you know, I guess stealing the prince's socks and selling them is not the most dastardly thing one could possibly do. But he is definitely in the territory here of, you know, my life is about finding a way to profit off of other people and and you know, do whatever is necessary to get ahead of them. Maybe he is Littlefinger in this version a little bit yeah yeah 
interesting. It'll be interesting to see that play out and see if it's the same. As far as like this being the first one in the season, to me it's interesting because we did sort of jump in again right away, mm-hmm. the way we did in Bells. Um, and uh, it's and like Bells, the sort of circumstances are changing almost right away. It's not like you start with a, well, Baldrick, what do we got to do today? Oh, we got to sweep the floor and, you know, bring mm-hmm. in the tea and like, you know, establishing, establishing that he is the butler. I mean, none of that happens. We just go directly into the plot pretty much. True. Although it's interesting that his, his little soliloquy about post-election, uh, about mm-hmm. him stealing from both sides, right? I mean, that really does set the character and who he is right then and there. That really is kind of his little, this is who I am. It is, and it's very concise. I mean, mm-hmm. it's been a while since I've seen like a restoration play or anything from kind of that period, but it feels like the sort of thing you might get there, that kind of like introductory monologue. Well, it, it also is nice that it's it's subtle enough that it's not the as you know, Bob, this is who I am type of character. It feels, as you it know, feels Baldrick. fairly organic. Yes. <laughs> well, maybe not you know Baldrick, but uh, yes. yeah. As you know, Mrs. Biggins. Mm. Yeah, uh, but uh, overall I really liked it. Uh, I think uh, William Pitt the Younger is very funny. Uh, the uh, Hugh Laurie, of course, is terrific. Like, I remembered him as being more slapstick, and he's he's not so much. It's a very nice, uh, nicely tuned well, performance of... It is only the first episode. Empty-headedness. Oh, okay. All right, I'll wait. <laughs> there was the clucking episode. Uh, or uh, well, sequence, I should say. Yes. Um, so, yeah. uh... <laughs> he, he, I mean, he, he, does, he does approach, I think, at times, the, you know, Homer Simpson level of stupid in some cases. Uh, um... You know, but um, you know, it's it's interesting to see what the the basic opinion was of the the prince uh, the prince regent, and we can talk a little bit more about the history uh, uh, later on. I suppose I'm less familiar with it than um, than Elizabethan, but it's it's worth mentioning. The one thing I did mention, of course, is the fact that they continue to make fat jokes about um, Hugh Laurie's character throughout the series, which is to some extent appropriate for the character, but not for Hugh Laurie himself, mm-hmm. which I find hilarious. Yeah, that is funny. Um, and he's just blissfully unaware of it all. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I'm looking forward to seeing the rest of this. Uh, and I think we probably have our topic for next time, which is uh, the history of Britain at this particular time, which I'm interested oh, in. Oh God, I have to do it's, a lot of research. Then. No, well, no, not a lot of research. It's really, but I mean, I feel like it's really complicated. Like for a while there was just like a string of royalty and now there's this whole thing with, you know, the tug between the the parliament and the king and everything else to, to complicate matters. So I, for one, would like a, a little primer on uh, on what's going on here. I don't know. That's I mean, that's funny to say after thinking about, you know, dealing with the War of the Roses and dealing with, you know, all the mm-hmm. all the arguments of secession and stuff like that. It's it, it's still a mess in its own regard, but it's it's true that, uh, that there were some interesting things going on at this time, most of which I think I shall have to reacquaint myself with, which means the time honored um, tactic of opening up Wikipedia page <laughs> articles, I suppose, right before to, to jog my memory, not to learn this for the first time, but, uh, but uh, Oh, it'll be memory. learning it for the first time for me. I'll tell you right mm. now. Mm. Uh, but we'll, we'll have all that for next time. Uh, and, and, uh, hopefully inform our viewing of Blackadder that much more. Uh, as you know, we are reachable on Twitter at Starship Warlock. No podcast in the middle. Um, we would love to hear from you. Uh, find out what you enjoy or don't enjoy about the episode. Um, how much money you would like to send us. Um, you know uh, what? Uh, you know which one of us is more amazing than the other? No, they're not going to tell us any of these things, are they? Uh, I don't know. They might tell us that last one, but uh, I, I don't think I don't it's think I you, Jeff. Know. Everybody knows that. <laughs> no, 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 <laughs> no. I, I insist. No, so. no, 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 no. Anyway, no. yeah. Please do write to us. Let us know what's up. Um, if you have an idea for our next uh, show to cover, since we only really have, uh, I guess, eleven more episodes after this, plus plus. Oh, that's specials. right. They're specials. Yeah, you don't have to worry about that for another six months, everybody. <laughs> um, but do think about it and let us know. Uh, we would love to uh, take a look at your favorite shows and read Wikipedia about them. So until next time, uh, this has been Drew. 
This has been Jeff. And you've been listening to Starship Podcast Warlock. Warlock. Bye, everybody.